Hey there, welcome to another Coffee Break with Lance Phelps. Today, I'm going to be talking about John Frame's book, No Other God. I'm going to be covering chapter 12, Does God Know Everything in Advance? And that's that's really the crux of all of this whole issue, is basically open theist claim that because of libertarian free will being a necessity, they claim that, that since libertarian free will is absolutely necessary, that the future must not be set and certain. And so, since the future must not be set and certain, the God of the universe cannot himself know that future. Now, I will say that they're, they're, uh, at first the argument can seem kind of bonkers in a way, especially to a, a, a classical theist. Because our view of God is that he knows everything. He knows the past, present, and the future. And I think this is a justified view. But the open theist argues that the future is not knowable because the future is simply not a knowable thing. Now, this is a very important point because, again, when we approach this from a classical perspective— it is very easy to get into the mindset that it is almost blasphemous to say that God doesn't know the future. The thought is, well, if God doesn't know the future, then that means that he's much more limited. He's not sovereign. He's not even God, basically. But their, their perspective is not that God is, is weak and, and, and small, though I, I think that the, the end result of their belief system actually does make God that. But nevertheless, their actual statements are not that God is weak and small and that he does not know the future because he is basically somehow limited himself. Or they, their, their perspective is that he doesn't know the future because the future is not knowable. It's, it's, very along, it's along the same lines as other uh, philosophical things such as, you know, can God know a square circle or can god know something that's that's absurd or or can you know is there a rock that god can make big enough to where god cannot move it that's actually an absurdity and so the it's rather appropriate for us to turn back to the person who's saying that and say look that is that's an absurdity and so no god cannot do that and again the bible actually confesses a few things that god cannot do so for instance god cannot lie and for those who you know had the the more simplistic view that there's absolutely nothing that he can't do, that is kind of a bit jarring because you might you might think, well, you know, our view is that God can do absolutely everything no matter what. Well, the Bible itself says God can't do everything. And that's a good thing because, of course, lying would be a bad thing. It would be against God's nature. It would be against who he is. The same is true of doing something that's absurd. God cannot do something that's absurd because that would be against the very fundamental nature of who he is. And the very fundamental nature of the essence of reality flows from God. So therefore, absurdities cannot exist. Well, the open theist takes the future in and places it into that absurdity category. To know it perfectly would be an absurd statement. Now, this, of course, I do not believe is true because the reason that they deny that you that you can know the future is not because of overwhelming biblical evidence. They have some biblical evidence that if you do not account the other biblical evidence that actually that basically invalidates that interpretation, then you could possibly see if you take that uh, that passage in isolation, well, yeah, maybe maybe we can see that God does, doesn't know the future. Um, but I think that it is improper to do this. You cannot place the f- knowing the future in the realm of absurdity because the reason that they do that is to apply 
uphold libertarian free will. And as we saw in an earlier chapter, and I and I think that I'll probably re-record another recording about or another post about libertarian free will and its absurdity. In fact, I know I will. I'm I'm dealing with uh, another s- series called I Why I'm a Calvinist, and one of them is the failure of libertarian free will. But nevertheless, the ideas of libertarian free will are the reason why they have such a strong impetus to press the uh, to press the future into unknowability. That's a part of the part of the reason that Haskers actually uh, argues in in the series Contours of Christian Philosophy and and William Haskers' uh, book on metaphysics. So basically, the idea is that libertarian free will is such a necessary component that it has to place the knowability of the future. And and John Frame has uh, basically has this statement to say, but libertarianism is so important to the open theist position that without it, the entire position lacks credibility. And I think that that's true. Effectively, once you realize that libertarian free will is not only not what they claim it to be, but nevertheless, it is, it is actually something that is destructive to our moral responsibility. It's the exact opposite of what they claim. And the Bible itself annihilates the idea of libertarian free will. Nevertheless, we should consider some of the passages and claims that the open theist posits. One of them is that there are passages that indicate God's uh, basically inability to know the future, and they cite a couple of passages here. Passages such as Jeremiah thirty-two thirty-five. nor did it enter my mind that they should do such a detestable thing. It seems to indicate to them that, uh, that God is saying, well, I, I could, didn't even imagine that they would have done such a thing. So how could it be that he, that he knows the future and he also didn't imagine they would do such a thing? Well, in this context, it is very clear that this is a judicial thing. This is, sim- this is very similar to in, in Genesis 3, 9, when God asks Adam, where are you? And, uh, the where are you passage, of course, I don't think even an open theist would say, well, God didn't know where he was. So it's like, hey, uh, where, where are you at? You know, come come to me. In the, that case, and in the case of Jeremiah 32, 35 and other passages like it, God is, is you know, making a decree or not a decree, but a, a judicial declaration, basically a judicial question in many cases. Basically, the, the question is, did God actually know these things? And if so, why would he ask the, these questions? But he does ask rhetorical questions or make statements that do, in fact, not conform with a need to actually find something out. So in the case of this is a detestable thing, it didn't enter my mind, the question is, what does mind actually mean? And in that case, Frame has this to say, when God says that something did not enter my mind, he is not confessing ignorance, but describing his standards for human behavior. Note the context of Jeremiah 7.31. They have built the high places of Topath in the valley of Ben-Hanan to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. And still yet in another group of passages, God seems to confess an ignorance of future events, such as, and I'm just going to go ahead and read frame here, in the wake of Israel's idolatry, he says, I thought that after she had done all this, she would return to me, but she did not. Compare also the use of perhaps in Jeremiah 26.3, and Ezekiel 12.3. If the future is settled to God, how can he speak with apparent uncertainty about what perhaps may happen? So in this case, we see what can be described as God's 
perceptive will being revealed to us. We read about the perceptive will, and we learned about the perceptive will versus the decreative will, and the differences between the two. And pretty much every theologian at some level and at some point has to bring in a multiple wills view of God in order to account for the biblical evidence that we see before us. Even the open theists do this, depending on the circumstances. But never so so to do this, I, th- I think that there are some theologians, or not really theologians, but there are some people who are like, oh, God doesn't have multiple wills. What is this all about? But nevertheless, we see that this is not an improper thing to do. It just depends on what biblical evidence we see before us. Now, to take these passages and to say, well, this means that God has no knowledge of the future events is disregarding the entirety of the huge mountain of evidence that we see in the other part of the Bible, in basically the rest of the Bible, that clearly tell us that he has an exhaustive knowledge of the future. And we're going to go ahead and get into that here in a minute. But first, I'm going to go ahead and read frame on this particular set of passages. So understood, these passages are similar to the passages described under the first point above. For the contexts here are essentially judicial. God gives to Israel enormous advantages of revelation and blessing, blessings that should be sufficient to motivate repentance, but she refuses. Thus, as with Abraham in Genesis 22, God finds out, quote-unquote, what is in Israel's heart. On that basis, God draws up an indication, indictment, I'm sorry, to bring against his people. Until that indictment, there is uncertainty, not in God's mind, but as to Israel's legal status before him without the covenant. Now, in this case, we do realize that God is not only, we, we see the multiple wills at play, but we also see a form of anthropomorphism. But naturally, I don't think that it's inappropriate to use anthropomorphisms when, it, when we are going into the Bible speaking about God, because the Bible itself does so. The Bible speaks about God's hands and eyes, but then in another part of the Bible, Jesus says that he, or was it something else? Anyways, another part of the Bible says that God does not have hands and eyes. So wait a second, which one is it? Does he have hands and eyes, or does he not have hands and eyes? And of course, we recognize, oh, he's speaking with an anthropomorphism. He's basically placing something in the context that we can kind of understand with an analogy, but nevertheless is not exactly descriptive of how God operates. And we can know this by the mountain of evidence about God's knowledge of the future, which we will turn to now. Now, there are multiple forms of prophecy, and prophecy is really one of the main reasons that we know God knows the future, but there are multiple forms of prophecy that we can see inside the Bible. There's conditional prophecies, if this happens, then this is going to happen. Then there's prophecies that that basically show that God is going to do something, and that's the way it is. And then there's prophecies where God lays out the events of mankind. And so we have to kind of be careful which prophecy we're actually taking a look at here. But nevertheless, the ones where God actually lays them out are are very plain. So let me go ahead and read frame on this, this point. However, there are other prophecies that, one, do not merely do state divine intentions, but depend for their fulfillment on human choices. Two, imply that God's decisions determines those human choices. And three, are not merely conditional. Consider, for example, the early prophecies of the history of God's people, given by God to Noah, Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, Balaam, and Moses. Here God announces categorically, not conditionally, many centuries ahead of time, the character and history of the patriarchs and their descendants. These prophecies anticipate countless free decisions of human beings, long before any of them have the opportunity to form their own character. 
And there are many, many other passages that outline prophecies that give us an, an exact sequence of events that is going to take place that depend solely, in some cases, on human free decisions. How can this possibly be that we have these, these prophecies that say that this is exactly how it's going to be if the future is not set beforehand? And that, of course, is the grand question. I think that it's it's obvious that God has set the future ahead of time, but these prophecies just lay it out without, you know, without question that that is the case. And in conjunction with God's sovereignty, as we saw in chapter 5, we see this that there's just no way that the, the future is not set in an absolute sense, because God himself is, you know, is setting it in certain ways. Now, there are quite a few passages that Frame goes over that I can't really go through right now, but the fact is that these passages are super clear, that God knows exactly what decisions humans are going to make before they make them. And the only way that can be the case is if God knows the exact future because it's already determined. So I'm going to end with this quote from Frame. So God knows everything, 1 John 3.20, and... Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before his eyes of him to whom we must give account. Hebrews 4.13 Does that knowledge include exhaustive knowledge of the future? Given the inadequacy of the open theist arguments, the strong emphasis in scripture on God's unique knowledge of the future, and the biblical teaching that God's plan encompasses all of history, we must say yes. That's all I have for you today. Make sure to check out our website, divedeep.net, for more content, including blog posts, book reviews, and video content. If you like this podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes and Google Play. Also, check out our main episodes of Dive Deep on the podcast feed and stream live on Facebook every other Thursday night at 7 p.m. That's at facebook.com slash divedeeppodcast. We hope to see you there. Soli Deo Gloria.